Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, America. This is Billy Jones, the author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio, which is hosted weekly on Blog Talk Radio. Today is July 31st, 2016, and it is a beautiful day here in Miami. A hot day, but a beautiful one nonetheless. And I thank many of you who have been continued supporters of what what we're doing here at Everyday Folks. Thank you for your continued listenership and that support. Because with that love and support, we're able to move forward and expand our programming. This past month and summer have been very, very busy, very exciting nonetheless, and a lot of productive things taking place in my respective life. And so first, I'd like to send a special shout out to a few individuals who've made that possible. One, I'd like to thank the Ronald McDonald House. On July 23rd, 2016, I, with other members of the Distinction Society's Beta Chapter, went out to participate in our bi-monthly event titled Adopt-A-Meal Program. And in this program, it provides an opportunity for us to provide hot meals to needy families who are residing in the Ronald McDonald House located in Greater Miami. Thank you, Ronald McDonald and Veronica, the director, for your continued partnership And I encourage all of you who are interested in participating, hit me up via email if you wish to learn more about the opportunity in our next outing. Perhaps you can join us. For those of you who are listening to the show, at any time you'd like to speak to me on on the particular topic of the day or to request, uh, to send a request or a comment or just to make a general statement, call me at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in number is 347 Five three nine five three seven two, And if you're shy and you prefer to inbox me with your particular questions, comments, or requests, you may do so at any time at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, my inbox email address is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. I'd like to say a couple of things about the topic of the day. Today's topic in session is very different from my previous interviews, where traditionally I have a series of, of guests or guests who come in and speak about their particular experiences in their respective industries or any other fascinating topic of interest at, at the time. Today is a bit different, it's different from the variety shows where I usually take questions and answers from guests. I welcome those continued questions and answers. But today is a very a more focused topic, and it's a discussion about a topic that I'd like to read that has been listed on my blog on my blog notice for this show. Here's the bio. We are all on a journey somewhere. Some of us are in the are on the pursuit of ha- are in the pursuit of happiness while others are struggling to make it through the night. With the advances of technology, now more than ever, we increase our chances for a moment in the spotlight. Social media, posts and messaging give us a chance to be heard to an audience of our own creation. Here comes a big question. Have we gone too far? Are we on a quest for relevance or relevancy? Definitely this is a segment you don't want to miss. So according to the Webster Dictionary, 
one, I'd like to share that as far as part of speech, relevance and relevancy, there really is no distinction or difference. They're both nouns, though the latter um, actually relevancy would be considered a lot more dated in terms of old English. The word relevance is more used widely in modern English. But here's the definition of relevance. Simply stated, it is important. It's describing or addressing what is important in the matter at hand. And if we don't have relevance, as one would say, does that make us significant? Do we always have this sense of acknowledgement that we desire in our lives? And, uh, and, and also, what role does technology play in terms of driving that conversation, driving that interest? I'll start with this. One would think that I myself am on a quest for relevance, considering I'm hosting a weekly show on Vlog Talk Radio. And I guess that's true, because in that regard, I'm, I created a platform that would allow me to reach an audience who's interested in, in hearing about the types of things that I like to write about and celebrate in my expressive form of art, which is writing. And so, yes, this platform does serve as that relevance quest. And thanks to many of you with over 1,400 of you listening every week, it shows that there is an interest and in that what I'm discussing has its relevance. But I think sometimes there are some, some cases where individuals who may deem or at least seek such acknowledgement in life, their only focus and desire in life is that. And when one is on this quest, whatever the reason may be, perhaps there may be other significant factors or contributors that, that, that help us to decide why we are on this pursuit of acknowledgement from others. No, in no way am I advocating that this topic or being relevant or at least looking for it is a bad thing. But I think sometimes, especially as we look at how and what construct exists today in terms of expressing that view or helping to identify who we are in the world, especially to others we don't know, I think there's a healthy list of things that we should be acknowledging. And so I want to read an article, which is actually found online by the writer Jasper Visper, and this is dated about five years ago, so it's a little dated. But he wrote an article for the Museum of the Future. And in this on this particular website, the focus of it naturally is to expose the art form and the interests of museums and the role that they play today. But the opening paragraph of this article is very relevant, I should say, to the topic at hand, which is the quest for relevance. And here, here's, how it, here's how it goes. To succeed in our never-ending quest to make culture and the arts more relevant in the lives of people, all we have to do online is approach the right people at the right time and place with the right message through the right communication channel. Simply put, don't tweet about overflowing toilets unless you want to make a point about the pressing need for maintenance funds. And in that case, be sure to ask at the beginning of the month when people, when people just received their paychecks. <laughs> and so this article is very true. Museums are no different, especially in attracting and identifying in a 21st century world the value that they hold in terms of cultural, cultural and sociological preservation, what they do and what, what, that, what that entails. But I think what's happening today is that there's so many things that are taking place in media. There's so many conversations. And some of the conversations, I'll be honest, as a Twitter fan, as a Facebook fan, as someone who is on Instagram, I'm in a number of news feeds. And I'm in a number of dialogues, some of which I don't contribute, while others I like to like or I'll chime in when necessary. 
But I find that some of the things that are taking place, some of it is really good stuff. And in fact, some of the conversations that take place are even more golden or identify more readily with truth or the idea of truth or facts that sometimes the media, as far as television, may not advocate or at least uh, express. But also, there is this horde of, of information. We are now living in an era where there's so much digital rhetoric about us that we have this desire to be tuned in or connected, on, connected into something. What's happening is that there's this information overload. And sometimes it gets hard to discern from what should be read or what's relevant versus what isn't. And so I'd like to hear from you. If at any time you have a question regarding this quest for relevance, I'd like to know what quest you're on. What is it that you desire right now in your life that you feel deserves not only for acknowledgement for self, but the need or at least engagement of acknowledgement from others? What is that ideal? I also want to know, how are you on that quest? Where are you going with that quest? And what do you expect as an outcome? Because we have to be careful from living in a fantasy world versus reality. And if you do know this uh, or haven't heard this, you know this now, and that is the social media world technology, I, I'm an advocate for it. I embrace it as many of you know. But I also feel that sometimes we can get so enraptured for what it is worth that people begin to lose a sense of themselves and they create these new identities that create these falsehoods that nonetheless can help us have difficulty in understanding what's true. So we have to go in with open eyes and a clear understanding that what's out there in front of us to present it to us just isn't, it just isn't that. It isn't truth. And so I'd like to hear from you. Please share with me your comments or questions at 347-539-5372. That's the call-in line. Or you can inbox me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And I do have a couple questions coming in. And this first one is from Nicole, who resides in Atlanta, Georgia. Nicole, thank you for listening. Here's the question. My 22-year-old boyfriend is obsessed with taking selfies and checking the social media to the point where I don't like to dine out with him at times. What are your thoughts on how to handle this? Well, first, Nicole, I thank you for listening to Everyday Folks and being a continued supporter. My response to your question is this. First, I don't want to be an ageist, nor do I want to advocate that these issues, when it comes to this quest for relevance, it's very generation-based. Although there are data out there that advocate that certain generations may lean towards to this desire or interest in this quest more than others. And I will speak very truthfully about two in particular. One is my very own. I am a member of the Gener Generation X community, and as well as the one that follows my own, which, is, which are millennials. And so my first advice to you is the following. One, have you communicated this concern to him? And you did say, I get the impression from your, your, your feedback here that you have maybe indicated, but have you really had the true conversation? Because the first, that C word communication is so important, but yet so difficult to accomplish at times, especially with people who are so dear to you and who you value very highly in your life. But also if you're out in an environment or a social setting, be very cognizant, and this is something you may want to share with your boyfriend. Re remember the things that it is that brought you together. What are those items and what are those significant factors that brought you together? And be was it the social media? I'll be honest, there are couples who met, who meet uh, online, or they have some connection through the digital rhetoric 
of how they came together, which is fine. But nonetheless, it's beyond that. What brings you together and what gives you both the interest to stay committed and a part of each other's lives? That always should be the foundation in the communication. And especially when addressing the challenge or the problem, it always has to come to that and it has to end there. And so then secondly, make a rule. I know in my house when people come over, I see it. I have friends and many of my friends who, who I engage with are in the generation and X and millennial group. And I find it at times, even during our conversations, especially in larger dialogues, cross conversations begin to take place. And then people begin to check their social media. I've also been at fault at times. But here's one practice that I think would help. When folks are, when you're out at a restaurant or you're in an engagement with others where you're hanging out, having a Netflix and chill evening, it may be best if you create a friendly rule that you ask everyone to take place their phones or cell phones on the table in front of them turned down, or even more so in another room away from everyone. So that if one has, is compelled to get up and go check it, they physically have to leave the conversation and have to go back and, and go wherever they need to go to access their technology. That way it removes them and it also creates a stigma because there are times I've been talking to people and they get so enraptured with what they're doing online in, in terms of their connection with people. It's an addiction. They get so consumed with what they're doing online that they forget that I'm even talking to them. And then I, have to, I find myself repeating myself. And that can be very frustrating. So I can understand where you're at, Nicole. But also, here's another suggestion, is to make sure that when you create this friendly rule, you don't want to scare people from coming around you or hanging out with you, but you do want to share with them in a positive light, focus on the positive. I'm creating this new strategy that will help engage me further with you. And to help me, here's what we need to do, and share what that particular request is. If people love you as I think they do, especially your boyfriend, I don't think they'll have a hard time responding. And also be open to some growing pain. Yes, there will be some moments when it may not work, but don't throw in the towel quite yet. Continue to work at it and continue to communicate your interests and focus on a positive of why it is that you're engaging or implementing this strategy of non-committed um, action or ag engagement with this technology for the sake of human face-to-face -face interaction. Thank you so much for that question. I have another question that is coming in and it's from Chris who resides right here in my hometown. And Chris asks, the following. Is it okay to be a little too absorbed? What's the limit? It's a great question, great question, Chris. <laughs> I'm getting a little tongue-tied here. It's a great question. I think that there's a difference between being cocky and being confident. I'm a confident person, and I would hope that confidence also exudes trust, and depending on the circumstance or the place where I'm at, if I want to gain people trust, people's trust, I have to exude a form of confidence so that, they can, so that there's buy-in to whatever it is that I want to influence them to do. But I think sometimes some people go a little over, overboard and they become self-absorbed. And once one gets that quest for relevance or achieves the quest, I'll give you an example. I know a very successful YouTuber who has over 1 million subscribers. And when I congratulated this colleague, congratulations, and he knows he's probably listening to this show right now, so he's not upset that I'll be sharing this. But nonetheless, he said, thank you, I know. The problem that I have with that is the thank you is great. It's a very powerful two-word two phrase that I think always should be shared when someone gives you a compliment. Heck, even when they say something negative. But the other added element of I know, it's very distasteful. And sometimes it can be a put-off. Because at the end of the day, you want to support people and you don't want people to become so self-absorbed that 
we all, they'd forget this. And that is that we succeed by standing on the shoulders of others. And if we had not, or any, if my friend had not had the 1 million subscribers supporting him, including me, then there would be no success or the quest for relevance would still continue. So I think there is a fine line between the two. I had this very conversation a week ago as the final thematic unit in my English composition course. As many of you know, I'm a full-time faculty at Broward College, and one of, the conversa- one of the things I like to do in my class is teaching themes. And the last theme, because we're now in final exam period, is the quest for relevance or relevancy. And my students had a great, created a great dialogue about this topic. And the one thing that they all came to, came, became aware of is this, is that we all are on this quest. And it's okay to say it, but if we're so much living and desiring the acknowledgement or acceptance of others, do we stop living and being who we are? And there is a fine line between that. And at some point, the music has to stop, the quest has to take a break, and someone has to rest. And so, yes, we do need to make sure that there are some checks and balance along the quest or along the way to make sure that if you're on this journey, you're on it for the right reasons. Thank you so much for, for, for calling or rather emailing, Chris. I noticed that there are a couple calls who are online. And I'm going to make sure I try to get you in before this show ends. But I do want to remind those who are interested in sending me their email requests and comments. The email address is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that email address inbox is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. I'm getting a series of emails at this time, and I will do my best to get them all in within the next 30 minutes before the show ends. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next question, or comment rather. And this question comes from one of my colleagues here at Everyday Folks, Anika S., the host of Anika, A Journey into Passion with Anika S. Here's her comment and her statement, I should say. I really like this topic, and I'm glad you're talking about this. And here's her statement. It is important not to lose who we are trying to fit something that is expected by the images online. I am on my own journey and I encourage others that listen to me and read my blog to do the same. Thank you so much, Anike. And I, it's so funny because your show is about a journey into passion. Well, being on this quest for relevance does require some passion. And so sometimes people are passionate. We're all passionate about different things. But are we passionate about the right thing and have the right reasons for feeling or achieving or pursuing what we do? So I appreciate your com- um, emailing in that comment. The questions continue. I now have one from Donald, who resides in Hollywood, Florida. Thank you for listening to me up north, Donald. Here is the question, and here is the scenario that matches it. Since I've been married, my wife's social media interests have skyrocketed. I don't like people knowing where I'm at or what I'm doing at all times with her. She and I have discussed this before. What should I do? Great question, Donald. You're the second email that I've read today that pertains to relationship, interpersonal communication, which is the way that we relate with each other, especially with those who are dear to us. And so you pose a similar situation in terms of a communication barrier or challenge as it pertains to, in a different sense, as it pertains to your wife acknowledging or liking everyone who she may know in her, her feed or social media feed to know her every waking move. And I'll be honest, I have a concern personally with that. While I was growing up, my mother was a corrections officer 
up until a few years ago, she did this for over 25 years and contributed richly to the field. And one thing she taught me was this, and it's not about being afraid of the world. My my comment here is not to evoke fear, but to prove a point or provide a point. And that is this. What we put on on, online can be very dangerous. And once we put it out there, even if we hide it from the public view, there's always a digital print of it. So when one is checking in, for instance, from the gym, or you're checking in at your favorite theme park or your favorite restaurant, I myself personally don't like to be tagged in such check-ins because at the end of the day, while I'm hanging out and having a good time with you, my home is unattended. And who and, and several studies have shown that folks who are often targeted for crime or robbery are those who are very vocal or very uh, prevalent in their acknowledgement of where they're at at all times on the social media. So we have to be very careful because criminals, they're smart and they can be quite savvy. And so, Donald, I share with you, I'm not sure if you had that type of conversation. The goal is not to scare your wife because you want to sell it, you want to sell it, support her, but also, too, you may want to explain to her that there's a level of privacy, that sometimes the intimate moments, the date nights, or the engagements that you perhaps may have with her, you want to keep them just that because that's what keeps the fire going. And also, as well, Ask her as well, what is it that, that she, that's so fascinating about being in the social media world? Because there may be something perhaps that you may learn from that or at least be able to come to a sense of awareness. Because if it weren't for her perhaps putting information out there, would the family know that you're doing okay? Are you the type of son or relative who does check in with others to let them know that you're doing well? And if you're not that type of individual, Maybe they're checking in on social media through your wife's feed may give that indication that you're still alive. So there, it is a hard space to be in or at least a conversation to have, but the conversation must take place because at the end of the day, at, for especially in a spousal relationship, you want to make sure that the communication lines are clear and truthful and open and be very cognizant, Donald, how you deliver that message to her. If your intent is to help improve your relationship and communication and connectivity with her, that should be the premise. But if you're but if if you're coming towards her with this issue, scolding or belittling or degrading or berating any of the negatives, I don't know if you'll be able to achieve the outcome that you so rightly want. So be very, very careful in your engagement with that. The questions continue. I'm gonna to try to get a few more in. This is from Hilda who resides here in Miami, Florida. Thanks for listening, Hilda, and thank you for your continued support of Everyday Folks. Here's her question and statement. Since I was 10, I've always wanted to be a fashion designer. Now at 23, I started school at the AI, which is, I believe, Art Institute. But I am so restless because I want to be famous so bad. Am I in too much over my head? Great, great question, Hilda. Hilda, here's my advice to you. I myself have to have all types of coping and supportive mechanisms, positive self-talk to make sure that Everyday Folks Volume 2, which comes out next spring, everyone, it, makes, it, it happens. It comes to fruition. But there are times when you doubt yourself, and life happens. And so you do need your motivating forces, both intrinsic and extrinsic, to keep you on the, on the course or to stay the course. I don't think you're in quite over your head. But I want I do want you to to make sure that you're not being so consumed with the desire to be recognized 
that you begin to lose a sense of your artistic ability and expression, that you begin to lose sight or hope or connectivity with others who are dear to you, especially those who are helping you along that journey to that success. And also making sure that you're taking good care of your health. Because if your mental health is impacted, there's nothing else good of you that you'll be able to provide to your world and surely not to your industry. So I do feel that so perhaps you may want to scale back a bit and you may want to just keep focus on why it is that you desire to do what you're doing. If your drive is to be recognized as a fashion designer worldwide, that's a great goal to have. But there are a lot of growing pains and there are going to be some milestones along the way that may make that not possible. It doesn't mean it may not happen, but are you really ready to swallow that hard pill? If it doesn't happen, will you be devastated? That's when this that's when you may feel that being overwhelmed or being so in, enamored with this I, this object or this goal, it may be something that may not be the best thing for you. So continue to do or provide checks and balances with yourself and speak to others who know you well, because they can provide you really core feedback, good feedback to keep you on track and also to check your attitude towards your goal as well. Thank you for sharing. I continue to receive great comments. I could continue to receive great requests. I'm going to take a couple more emails, and then I'll take a couple callers. This next email comes from Taco. Believe it or not, folks, yes, the name is Taco. So I assume that the listener wants to maintain his her anonymity, which is fine, who resides here in Miami, Florida. Thanks for listening, Taco. Here's the request. I've always wanted a trophy wife, someone with the looks to be with me. No brains required. But after five years of marriage, I realized that I realized that was a mistake, and later I divorced. What advice do you give to other males who may be interested in marrying a trophy wife? That is a good question, Taco. Here's my suggestion first. First, thank you for listening, by the way. So trophy wives, we've got to be very careful how we define that. I'm not sure your definition of it. It is an urban um, it's of urban diction, so I'm not sure what your denotation is. But my impression is that an urban wife, uh, a, a trophy wife, is someone who is with another individual, or at least is chosen to be with another individual for the sake of the image that she may provide, or suit, or complement in an existing partner. So I am assuming that's your 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 definition. And if it is, then here's the answer. One. We got, I, I don't, whenever I found, look for someone who is of significance to me, I'm not looking for that person because they're hot. I am looking for someone who treats me well. It always starts with core values. Do they make an honor, honorable living, an honest living? Doesn't matter what industry, what type of work, but do they work? Also, how do they treat others? And what, at least for me, a one value non-negotiator is this. How do they treat others and how much do they give back what is given to them? There's a foundation of core values that I, I bring, and they're very few, but they're very distinct, and I'm, they're not up for compromise. And on previous shows I've mentioned and a, a months ago, we talked about our list of non-negotiators. So I think it's important to, to note, too, that you can't put on that, that list things that you yourself can't qualify. So if you want someone who is a trophy wife, do you fit the picture of what she may want or desire in a mate? At some point, all those things begin to surface, all of the glitz and all the surface stuff, it looks good. But when you go home and the doors close and the shades are drawn, are you ready to deal with each other's realities? Are you happy what you like, what you see in the morning? And this is also someone, especially with folks who are in your life and who you may love and 
probably provide an opinion of who you are and who you bring in your life. Is this the type of person you want to bring and how do they complement those individuals? And so I, my advice is that if you're marrying for a trophy wife for those men who do so, I'm not here to advocate who you choose and who you love because I don't like to be told who I choose and who I love. But what I would say is this, you do get what you put out there in the world. And if you continue to attract what's not best for you in terms of your own growth, professional and or personal, then the relationship may not be built on a true foundation. And so my advice is to make sure that you're getting people or connecting with folks, especially for life partnerships, individuals who are going to help you grow and go places. The next question comes from Natalie, who resides in Austin, Texas. Thank you for listening, Natalie, to Everyday Folks. She writes the following. I'm tired of my family telling me that I need a man and to have kids. Granted, I, I date, but I'm not interested in children at the moment. I'm 40 years old. What do you think about this, BJ? Good question. What I do think is this. There is a stigma in society. There is a stereotype as well that still advocates that women who are professional, or women in general, but especially professional women, that there is a certain expectation that she must at least meet societal-wise. She has to be married. She has to have kids. And she has to be maternal in nature. Well, I know women who may not necessarily, not, doesn't mean that they're mean women or they don't care about loving others or especially another human being, but they are not interested in being mothers. Or I know women as well who may have prolonged their choice of, of, of marriage for the sake of their relationship or in or caregiving for someone who is significant to them. And so my suggestion is that you develop a coping, coping mechanism, Natalie, that'll help you weather this challenge. Because if you begin to listen more to what the world says you should be, then you're going to stop living for what you want to do and who you want to be as it relates to the big picture. So you want to make sure that you be able to drown out the noise in the atmosphere that may be tarnishing your own notion of what it, your, your positive self-image, who you are and how you fit as a brand in this world. And the more you start listening to others, be cognizant of who you're listening to as well. I know great. I love my family and I love my friends. And the ones who I am intimately engaged with on a consistent basis, I know will not tell me any worse. And if they tell me something, I'm listening. They know what's best for me, but only Billy knows what's best for Billy. So there has to be a fine line and a fine balance between the two. That you're not afraid to accept the, the opinions of others, but don't be so caught up in the winds of their realities, their assumptions of who you should be, and then lose sight of who you should become. Thank you so much for that question. It made me think as well. Let's see if we could get a couple of callers who are on the air. Caller, you're live on the air at Everyday Folks Radio with Billy Jones. Who am I speaking with? Hello? Okay, we'll see if we could take a second caller. I see a few of you in my queue. So perhaps you may have me on mute. You may want to unmute on your side so that I'm able to hear you. Hello, caller. You're live on the air with Billy with BJ Speaks. With whom am I speaking? Okay. We'll continue on to the next question. Again, callers who are on the line, I see several of you in my queue. I will gladly acknowledge your call. Just make sure you unmute on your side so that we're able to converse. Our next question comes in from Plantation, Florida, from Yanis Ladies. Thank you for listening. <clears throat> Yanis Ladies writes the following. I'm a successful woman who has been told because of my career, looks, 
and family status that I should have something, someone of my stature. The truth is, it's not that easy. When what I get at, excuse me, I'm getting a little tongue-tied here because my throat is a little parched. The truth is, it is not that easy. What I get at times are a bunch of duds. What should I do? So, Yannis, ladies, it sounds like you're looking for someone. You're being told what type of person you should be looking for, but yet you're not finding what you want. So that's a very good question, and I thank you for offering it. A couple advices, pieces of advice. One, please make sure that, again, you're not listening so much to the world that you forget to, uh, your own sense of identity and where you fit in it. One. And two, what are the things that you're bringing and what it is that you desire in a person? If you come with a long laundry list of things that you expect in your life partner, it's going to be hard to find someone who suits all those things. Instead, try to narrow them down. Keep the list to a few significant, relevant things that will help you identify and find the things that are most essential that you deem in others. And also, others may I hear this. People have, have shared this in my own family. I've noticed Jones girls are beautiful women. They're so attractive. And so are their mothers. And I've also heard over the years, and not in the recent years, but in the distant past, I've heard conversations of what type of men especially when a man was brought around to the family who the family may not approve for various reasons, the commentary offered or the suggest, suggestions offered to the, my, my cousins, for instance, some of them were really good and some were very challenging. And so I say we got to be careful what kinds of messages we're sending to others. And you, um, Giannis ladies, you need to be able to register and be able to discern those types of messages because not all information provided is good advice. But it's advice nonetheless. And so my suggestion to you is to continue to get out there and share with others who may know you on this quest. Because if you're on this quest for relevance as, as, as far as being acknowledged because you have a great husband, what does that entail? Because true love, it surpasses, it supersedes all that, that stuff. So you may want to make sure that you're not getting caught up in what the image of the world perceives you to be and what image you've also put out there for the world to see you as, as it relates to the type of person that you want to attract to be part of you and for you to build an immediate nucleus and a family unit in your own space. Good question and a great comment. I continue to receive, I continue to receive comments and questions galore. I have three more questions and 10 minutes to get them in. So I'm going to do my best to get them in. If you'd like to speak to me at any time, the call in line is still open at 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And for those who prefer to email in, I welcome your comments, questions, and requests at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And the questions continue. Thank you, Tom, from Fort Lauderdale. Here's your question. He asks the following. How do we get our kids at a young age to avoid the, request, the quest for relevance? Good question. So, Tom, it all depends on how each of us brings into our, 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 our adult lives our borrowed belief systems. Those belief systems start the moment we start recognizing language recognizing significant people in our lives and our engagement or communication to them. 
And so those verbal belief systems continue to support who we become in terms of personalities and our, our, our opinions and our viewpoints as we mature as adults. So how do we get our kids to not be on this quest? I don't know if it's something that I personally would want to do. I want my kid to have a sense of identity, and I want my kid to have a certain drive towards something. But I also need to make sure that that kid has a good slice of humble pie and realize that just because you may be the cutest kid or you may be the brightest kid in the class or you may be well accomplished in your knowledge of math or science, it doesn't mean you're perfect. What it means is that you have a foundation of, of knowledge and or skills that you could use to benefit the world. And see how I just worded that conversation? Instead of heralding and championing and focusing only what's so good, I'm sharing my feedback to that kid that even though you may have these additional skill sets and talents, there's still more to accomplish. There's still more that you can grow and do. So don't ever get too settled. And don't think just because you've gotten to a certain level of achievement that you have arrived. And in truth, that is, that's not what we want our kids to do. Because at the end of the day, those little kids become adults and become big problems in the world. So we definitely want to make sure that our kids have a sense of what the quest is about, but not to the extent where they become so self-absorbed that no one likes them. And research has shown in the world, uh, shown the following, and that is this. Be very careful who your friends are and try to establish your friendships between the ages of 25 and 45, which are very peak periods in our time, in, your li- in, in, in the human's life. And why is that? The assumption is as one matures and ages and as life's, the golden years come and sometimes life's challenges too, there will still be that core set of individuals who will be there with you and be, help, be there to support you through those, those very challenging and dark moments. So therefore, we need to make sure that we teach our children to be confident. We don't want them to be so reclusive from the world that they forget to engage with it, but they need to know that the world is there and they're a big part of it. So what they put out there, they need to be prepared to receive it too. Two more questions. The next one comes from Michael from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Thank you, Michael, for listening and for supporting everyday folks. Here's the question. Billy, have you been on your quest and has it ended? (laughs) Oh, Michael, if you only knew. (laughs) So, Mike, Michael, excuse me. First, I will share this. I am on a quest. At the opening of the show, I mentioned that part of this network is, is that. I am in a continued pursuit of the human experience. I want to chronicle that experience. I want to identify and learn from that experience. Hence the birth and, and, and existence of everyday folks. So I'm still on that quest, and it hasn't ended. But I'll tell you something that I've learned along the way. I don't deem myself to be the most amazing author. I feel I write great stuff and I have confidence in what I do and I'm not afraid to put it out there in the world. I'm also cognizant that I have great supporters and I have a few haters too. But the haters are the one. I do listen to those haters, believe it or not. I do listen because it provides me feedback on how I can grow, but I don't get so consumed and think that the world hates me. I just value and respect people's opinions and I'm moving on. So I am on a quest. I'm on a quest to make to make an extraordinary contribution to the world that is even bigger and will be forever memorialized long after I no longer breathe on this earth. That's, that's important to me. And how I do that, I do that through everyday folks. I do that, I do that through my continued engagement in the community, 
with efforts such as the Distinction Society and Ronald McDonald House. These things are very important to me because I want to give back what was given to me. And so I don't want the quest to end, if that makes any sense, Michael. I want it to continue. But one thing it's clear is that the quest hasn't, it's been consistent. There may, may have been a few folks I've lost on the journey or folks I've added along the way and picked up on the, on, in, on the ride through. But one thing is still cons- consistent is the focus of what I want to achieve and contribute. And that will never change. I appreciate your asking me that very important question. I have one more question coming in, and this one comes in from Ramona, who resides in Jackson, Mississippi. Thank you for listening to Everyday Folks and supporting us here at Ramona. This question and comment is for you. She writes, technology does play a role in our quest for relevance. Should we just turn off the social media and return to the days of the 90s? I feel we have become too absorbed with what others are doing have we become society that's too, too, too nosy? It's a good question. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll give you the yes and no response on this one, Ramona. Yes, I do think that we have become too absorbed what others are saying. If you hadn't, you wouldn't be listening to everyday folks. <laughs> so I do appreciate your listening. But all jokes aside, I do think there's a time we need to tune in and tune out. And we need to find those things. I always say, if I'm going to read something, there are three reasons why things are written or, 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 or read, and that is for the acronym PIE, P-I-E, to persuade, to inform, and to entertain. Those are important. So if I can't find things or read things or at least discern information that informs me, surely it's in an entertainment category. It's a good laugh. And if it's going to influence me, I need to make sure that I'm listening intently and valuing the information that is provided and letting and giving myself time to discern whether or not it is of value to me. So, yes, I do feel that sometimes that we've gone overboard, but I also would be remiss to say that me tuning out of it, I think will disconnect me to the bigger world. 50% of the world's population is now millennials. They are tuned in. They are tuned in and they are tuned on to what the world is doing. And so I think that if I'm not involved with that or have a sense of or taking the pulse of that, I feel I may be missing out. But I also know that it's okay that I could be at home all day and have my phone in another room and not worry about the comments or the tweets or the text that I may be missing because there was a time when none of that was available to me. So I agree with you that there is a point that we become too nosy, but we have to know what's best for us and when to draw the line and say this is enough, enough is enough. And I need to instead return to what's best, and that is my interpersonal communication and interaction with others. That is the foundation for me that is so important, how I engage with others and the level of connectivity that I have with them. So, Ramona, thank you so much for your comment. Well, folks, I want to thank you for listening to Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you for listening to BJ Speaks Me as I rant a bit on this quest for relevance. But I do want to to close with, with this thought. I don't care where you are and who you are, where you come from and how much money you make. If you have the best or, the, or you're still impoverished and trying to come up. The goal is this. Know what quest you're walking, why you're on that journey, and make sure that the outcome that you want is one that you feel will benefit you ultimately and help you grow into the true human being that you can be. And along the way, please make sure that you're providing meaningful checks and balances to make sure that the quest is worthwhile 
and that because of this quest, others will benefit greatly from your pursuing it. I'm not saying that we can't have personal gains for ourselves, but if we become so absorbed in living on an island of population one, we are not programmed as humans to live in, in isolation. We're meant and programmed and built to be in communities of others. So we have to be very careful what we provide and what we put out there to the world. I thank you so much for your, your support. A special shout out to my friends in the South Florida Writers Association, of which I and my colleague Anike have become members. Thank you so much for your continued support. I'll be seeing you this Saturday. For those of you who want to join the South Florida Writers Association, regardless of your interest or level of writing, come join us at 10.30 a.m. at the Pinecrest Regional Library in Pinecrest, Florida. That's here in my hometown. Tune in next week for more exciting shows as we continue to provide you opportunities and experiences of everyday folks. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care.